0: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: Recorded live. Hey, welcome to the Wednesday night uh, American Liberties call. Tonight we have Dave Merlin, and I'm just going to go ahead and uh, turn it over to him. And I'm going to go ahead and mute everybody out just just so that make sure we don't get any background noise and after david is through if anybody has any comments questions go ahead and hit star 8 on the telephone or just go ahead and chat in your question welcome warrior welcome guest 4 and welcome arizona and you know anything you hear on this is not legal advice you know i wouldn't um you know you're you're responsible to do your own due diligence and i would strongly suggest that and after Dave talks, we'll talk a little bit about traffic and what happened and so forth. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Dave. Dave, you there? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead.
0: Hi, folks. Uh, I'm not looking at the talk shoot chat window. I'm just going to talk for a few minutes today and, uh, and hang up uh, for my birthday, which is tomorrow. I got a nice big cold with uh, sneezes that come about six or seven at a time, and uh, cough and fever, runny nose, stuffy head, so a good day for me to call it quits early. Um, Welcome to the American Liberties Call, it's December 23rd, 2015. My name is David Merlin. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider it something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away. where the law matters, it doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. Now, uh, the first thing I want to touch on, these are three emails I got uh, today. And uh, uh, one of our regulars here, Richard in Dallas, wrote in that uh, he's been looking at the cases cited in Revenue Ruling 2007-19, and he noted that none of those cases have Section 83 in evidence, meaning they didn't consider Section 83 of the regulations they're under. And so they throw 61A at you. Gross income means everything unless you can prove otherwise and through that mechanism uh they generated with the help of the public an ocean of bad case law based on 61A because nobody else could prove that uh there was an exception to gross income and unless you know about section 83 you don't know of any exceptions <laughs> there are other exceptions Deductions, Uh, 162, 163, and 164. Those are three tax code sections. 162, if I'm in business and uh, I pay out wages to my employees, I can get a credit for that as a cost of doing business. 163, I can write off certain interest payments that I pay on my mortgage. 164, I can uh, write off certain amounts paid in state taxes. 212, uh, in the case of an individual, there shall be allowed as a deduction all ordinary necessary expenses paid or incurred in the production of collection of income. So there are exceptions to 61A that everybody knows about. Nobody's read Section 83, and it is. Except as otherwise provided, so unless it's in evidence, you have bad case law, which this gentleman uh Richard in Dallas acknowledges, and then he takes a turn toward the historic meaning of gross income and cites connor versus u s nineteen sixty nine and uh it's a case that says uh uh Income is profit and isn't rightfully assigned to everything that comes in. There's another case to that effect, uh, Edwards versus Keith, that says one does not derive profit by selling services and uh, charging for them. So uh, I'm aware of these cases and I'm aware of uh, Section 22A of one of the original Revenue Acts uh, that goes way back, 1939 so forth. So uh what's neat is that I can skip the entire history. I can skip it because I have law in the tax code today that says only the excess over the amount paid is gross income and it defines the amount paid as the value of any property that I paid for my compensation checkmate. Who needs to go back into history and look at all of the revenue acts? Even though there's certain things that stand out in those acts, like uh, gains derived from salaries, wages. Uh, That's totally different than in the form of salaries and wages. Uh, There's a difference between uh, peanut butter derived from raw peanuts and peanut butter in the form of raw peanuts. Gasoline derived from crude oil or gasoline in the form of crude oil. They're totally different articles, aren't they? So the word derived from salaries, wages, or compensation is found in a lot of these uh <coughs> Um, references in tax acts going back more than a 100 years. And Lowell Beecraft is the the guy that really put a candle on that cake, and uh, uh, he tends to go that direction also in any discussion as to whether or not your compensation is taxable as income. And I go the other direction, into statutes that exist today so i need only know that 61a says except as otherwise provided and section 83 is otherwise provided and it says only the excess over the amount paid is gross income i don't need to go further i can there's a regulation under Section 83 that says you can apply 1012 to figure your cost. Regu- first regulation under 1012 says your cost is cash or other property, and it doesn't exclude labor. So staying right in contemporary uh, statutes that govern the taxation of compensation, uh, I have no need to look in these other directions of which I'm fully aware okay in my earliest research Edwards versus Keith Connor versus US and uh, uh South Pacific versus Lowe and Smiatonka and uh Schaber, all those cases it's the it's some of the first research that you do when you get into income taxation because everybody went this direction to try to figure out the problem instead of simply reading the tax code. There, I just proved it again. I'm the only one that bothered to read the tax code. Because when you bother to read the tax code, you come to Section 83. That, That part of this is not rocket science. And Section 83A is not enforced. They don't even train on it. So closing that back to my email here. Okay. Reg's question. Uh hi Dave, I learned a long time ago that the tax code requires implementing regulations to be enforced. And uh that of course is a reference to uh California Bankers versus George Schultz Secretary of State. Uh, California Bankers Association, I mean, versus George Schultz, Secretary of State, and uh, U.S. versus Mursky, and uh, there might be another one in there somewhere, that said uh, s- regulations implement the statute, and a statute with no implementing regulations has not been brought to uh, the force of law. He goes on to say, I assume this is true at the state level, I note that uh, the California Franchise Tax Board has no regulations to support their oft-quoted codes. Uh, I don't know about state case, you want to look to your case law about uh, this standard, and they ignore it on the federal level. You can point out to them that there are no implementing regulations for 7201 tax evasion, 7203 failure to file, and they don't care. So it's a non-issue. I also note the feds do not pay attention to this fact that their regulations are for Title 27 and not for Title 26. That, I'm afraid, is an argument that's... I have a memorandum from 1992 from a federal district court chief judge that points out this argument that the implementing regulations are all BATF under Title 27 is derived from a uh, belief in the Code Service Table of Authorities, but if you look closely at the Code Service Table of Authorities, says the judge, read the preamble. The preamble said. These sites are supplied by the agencies and may be inaccurate and cannot be considered all-inclusive. It's just a cross-reference table supplied by the agencies. The Code Service Table of Authorities is not a regulation. It doesn't have a number on it like a regulation would. It's just a table of contents. And here it is. 23, 24 years after I got that memorandum and people are still uh, pushing it about and he says uh, how do they get away with this and ignore the fact they have no enforcement regulations wrong how do we make them pay attention Uh, they won't even stop using depleted uranium ammunition on the battlefield when they know that It kills uh, babies in the womb of the people that live there after the battle. So uh, you won't get them to pay attention, period. They steal, lie, rob, cheat, and murder and kidnap. Uh, It's a simple matter of guns, prison, and child molesters equals federal jurisdiction and the other question uh this is from from Chris I don't know who you got this from Chris uh chime in for me for a couple of minutes
1: okay while we're uh, waiting for Dave to get back the um you know uh, many of you seen on my email list the uh the thing about co-oping We're getting together people that are joining. And it's a great program because we're helping children and people all over the world in drinking water. But with that being said, it's a way for us to co-opt together to help to get this material into every hand of every accountant and attorneys throughout the country. And I'm talking specifically about Section eighty three of the you know code break of the Section eighty three equation. That need that does need to get the hands in the hands of every American and uh, attorney and accountant in the land because this is what people need to hear. And we and also I want to help fund where we can make the IRS and our legislators do what has to be done. Are you ready, Dave? And yeah, okay, go ahead.
0: Okay, thanks. I needed a break. Uh, my voice just can't take it. I had to break and and cough my eyeballs out. So I got this email from Chris. I don't know who who it came from. Uh, probably come from somebody who was a uh, a co-plaintiff to the lawsuit that we're waiting to uh, hear a decision on. It was filed May 20th of 2015. Uh, Chris, Re- or the email says, Dave had said that the lawsuit will be bound and published as a book with an ISBN number. Shouldn't the names of those who filed a jointer be included in that book? Many years ago at court, had ruled that Bill Benson's book, The Law That Never Was, was inadmissible as evidence in a defendant's trial because he had no personal knowledge of Benson's work. That's way different than somebody who filed a joinder to this lawsuit. If you're a plaintiff in the lawsuit, and you are if you filed a joiner as a, a similarly situated party, it's as admissible as if you were one of the original plaintiffs. So, no, it's not necessary that the uh, that the cover of the book include all the people's names who joined. It's a matter of public record. And uh, if somebody wanted to put that book into evidence, they could simply uh, uh, file a, an affidavit and staple to the affidavit, their affidavit or joiner that they filed in that case to become a co-plaintiff and bada boom bada bing in Lake Flint. So no worries. So uh everybody have a Merry Christmas. And uh uh the uh we've gotten a few people interested in the uh criminal complaint for, uh flat, criminal intent flash drive excuse me and uh that's certainly a, a powerful course And uh, there's already people getting their convictions overturned because of those decisions this summer. So it hasn't taken long. And uh, I talked to an attorney here in the Seattle area that says, yeah, he he thinks there's going to be a snowball effect once all the paralegals in prison get wind of these cases and the argument. So uh, I'm just... I'm excited about that course. And it's not just about tax law. It's about the indictments and the way the government has been writing them for many, many years. It's about state criminal complaints and state indictments. There's a bunch of case law that says an indictment is sufficient if it tracks the language of the statute. But there's also a bunch of case law that says an indictment is fatally defective if it fails to allege all essential elements of the statute. Well, if it tracks the language of the statute, but the language of the statute doesn't include an essential element like criminal intent, that's where these decisions uh, would get a conviction overturned by negating the indictment or the criminal complaint. So there are literally tens of thousands of convictions out there waiting to be overturned or vacated. So uh, get the criminal complaint course. Uh, Chris will pass along to you any coupon promo codes you might use to, to get a uh, discount on uh, that course and the other materials at wevgov.com. Uh, tomorrow's my birthday. I'll be back here on Saturday on my talk shoe channel which is uh five nine six one five noon pacific three o'clock eastern and uh till then merry christmas everybody stay out of trouble over to you chris
1: okay thank you dave and i hope you feel better and and have a happy birthday and thank uh, you <clears throat> hope you feel better for sure okay um I'm I'm going to go ahead and and pretty much wrap up the call. The uh, but I do want to tell you about the. Excuse me, I got
0: <clears throat>
1: I got choking here. Uh, on, yesterday I did go to court, and um, after doing some paperwork and everything, I uh, the police officer didn't show up, which. Which is about the third or fourth time in a row, and I sent out in my email uh, regarding uh, one of the things, the revelations that I had today about about corporations. Because on the order showing the uh, showing the dismissal, it says. Uh, State attorney unknown, defense attorney known, and I was driving home thinking about that. Why I gave this <clears throat> to the state attorney? You know, when I file everything, I filed into the record, which, by the way, I did do a you know, um, court of record. You know, I did a counter complaint in this court of record, and uh, and I handed it. And went upstairs and handed it to the state attorney's office, and just dropped it off and uh and everything else I did, the state attorney got it as well as the police officer well in the um so when they dismissed it, I saw this, so I decided to go home, and I called Bob hurt and i said bob you you're familiar with the Florida rules and um uh, and statutes and do a lot more in Florida, you know, in the state than I do. I, I, I said, isn't it so that a, um, a, a, you know, a corporation has to have an attorney? And he goes, yeah. And he says, right in the Florida statutes. Well, I couldn't find it, so I went to case law. And holy mackerel, did I find a, a whole bunch. In fact, I sent a, a lot of it in my email. And then Greg Slaughter, um, uh, who I haven't talked to him for quite a while, the ticket slayer wrote me and I sent his response out into my email. And I and yes, I do a lot of his process, not per you know, one, two and three, but a lot of it, you know, a lot what I do is because of of the way that he instructed and um and I think the key to a lot of this is that I gave it to the state's attorney's office showing that I know, even though at the moment I didn't know, that an attorney must be representing the state of florida and uh so that, and a few other things um is what I feel is the reason i I won and because a lot of times you can't put your finger on it. I remember I was talking to, um, Oh, what's his face that died? Uh, that lawyer out of Louisiana, um, uh, the guy who got, uh, charged with tax crimes. And I showed him, you know, Dave Maryland's criminal complaint and all this. And my joiner, you know, long after he, um, you know, he beat his case. And, uh, me and John Kotter was on the phone with him, and I was uh, showing it to him, and he and he said, "Well, you threw so much at him, you don't know what hit." And uh, and I thought about that for the longest time, and you know, and that's all he could say. He couldn't answer about Section eighty three. He didn't want to talk about. Um, I'm not named in the statutes. He didn't want to talk about Title Four and Section seventy two. You know, each item specifically like I tried to. No, he just wanted to say, Well, you threw so much stuff at him, you don't know what hit. And but yet he did all he could do and he had to go through a full blown trial for a jury to give him a you know uh, a, not, a not, uh, not guilty verdict. Well, I thought I I was in better shape. I didn't have to go through a trial. And uh, so, you know, there there's a lot to say about what David puts out there. Uh, Tommy Cryer. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Tom, Tommy Cryer. Good guy. Good guy to talk to. He's like uh, Larry B. Craft. They're good to talk to. I wouldn't... Um, I'm not going to uh, say I would have them as my attorney, but um, but I should certainly love to talk to them because, you know, we can bounce things off of them. And if they don't answer, because uh, they always want to rebut what the patriots say. You know, they always want to say, ah, oh, you're wrong here, you're wrong there. But when you're right and they can't give you an answer, and this is what I like about Dave's work, They can't. It's not that they, you know, try to give you a false answer. They can't. They just don't answer it. Period. They just go down another rabbit hole, trying to get you to argue something that you didn't even bother bringing up. And I kind of like that because you can always bring them back home. Hey, let's get back. Let's get back to the issues here. So, anyhow, with that said. I'd like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Jesus is the reason for the season. And, you know, God bless America. God bless your families. And And we hope that Dave will be up and running for the Saturday call, which will be on his channel. The emails will be going out. And with that, God bless America. And this call is officially over.